Welcome to another episode of Empower Apps. I'm your host, Leo Dian. Today, I am joined by Sarah Gretter, the director of Apple Developer Academy in Detroit with MSU. Really glad to have you on and have this opportunity to speak. I've been super interested in the Apple Developer Academy, what what we're, they're doing there in Detroit. Personally, I'm interested, obviously, and uh, business-wise. So I'm really glad to have you on. I'll let you go ahead and introduce yourself and what exactly uh, you do there. Yes, well, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Um, I've been uh, in conversations with you for quite some time, so it's exciting to be on your podcast. So I'm Sarah. I'm the director of the Academy. We've worked with MSU, so I'm actually a Michigan State University employee. I've worked with Apple for many years around what it would mean to bring an academy uh, to the United States. So this is the first and only Apple Developer Academy in the United States. Uh, There are some in Indonesia, uh, Brazil, Italy, South Korea, but this is the very first one and it is unique to the Midwest in this partnership with Michigan State University. We're also supported by the Gilbert Family Foundation. And so we came together many years ago and started conversations that finally led us to launch this academy this year. So first in the nation and We are also the first that's under Apple's new racial equity and justice initiative. So lots of components to it, but we've been uh, doing great this year and excited to talk a little bit more about it with you today. So what's kind of the process for someone who wants to be part of the Developer Academy and how they get in? Yeah, so right now uh, we accept anybody who is really interested in app development in its entirety. So we're not a coding bootcamp uh, in the traditional sense. We really cover all the basics of the app development process. So if you join as a student, you uh, are expected to learn basics of coding and Swift, obviously, but also basics of design, so UX and UI, and the basics of entrepreneurship or business within the app economy. So really understanding the whole development process to be you know, fluent enough of all the languages that make you a really good developer. So students who are interested, and that can be individuals 18 and older, so really anyone interested, uh, apply to the academy. We're really uh, looking for candidates who have the right mindset to be in the academy. So people who are very autonomous and self-directed, who are willing to fail and try, right, as it takes in in development, and are willing to learn from their mistakes and work together in teams to get through that experience together. We teach them everything they need to know in terms of skills, and that's why we're really looking for individuals who have that hunger and that creativity for coming up with the next best ideas uh, or, you know, the the best approaches to solving the, the most complex challenges we have through technology. Is it just one program that they can apply to in one curriculum? So we are in the process of offering uh, different programs. We just launched this year. Right now we have the nine, 10 month academic program uh, in, the, in length. So it's 20 hours a week. Uh, you stay with us for the whole year. And this is what we call the academy. Part of the academy is also offering what we call a foundation program, and that teaches you the foundation of app development, so same business, design, and coding, but within a four-week time frame. And we're working on you know flexible uh, schedules for that. Uh, so that gives you a taste of what app development is. Uh, it's open to anyone who is interested on a first-come, first-serve basis. Uh, and you stay within the academy space for for that four week duration, which is a a neat experience to see what the space is like, but also to see what the students in the academy are working on. As we progress through the year, we'll offer a third program, which is only open to students who have gone through the academy. 
And that's what we call the, the, the Renaissance program. That's our second year program where students work with real clients and, and help develop their uh, tech solutions. That's awesome. So I was going to ask, is this all in person located here in, De- in Detroit? Yes. So we are in person. We are right downtown Detroit in the First National Building, which gives uh, students a great understanding of what the business district really is about and and to be connected with really great partners around us. And, uh, you know, we are uh, in one of the most beautiful buildings downtown. Uh, It gives a a huge, beautiful space to to be in. So you mentioned, so we talked a lot about development on this podcast, so that we've covered that quite a bit, but you mentioned design. And entrepreneurship as well are part of that program. Can you kind of give me an example of some of the unique skills that they that folks learn through those programs? Yeah. So the precept of most of the academies worldwide, right, is to be to in order to become a great or world class developer, you have to understand the why, right? So understanding the why of an app is much different than. I'm going to say simply, simply coding it, right? Writing lines of code is is, is a huge part of the process. But uh, to be a world-class developer, understanding why you're creating an app or why an app is creating and being, you know, able to to be critical about the the concept is a huge part of it. You can code the most beautiful app. You can make it as functional as you want, but there is no business case for it then you're just writing lines of code. So that's that's a part of the, the business aspect, right? We have students go through uh, landscape analysis, business comparison of what's already out there so that you're really finding the niche for the app that you're creating. And when it comes to design, we also uh, embrace a lot of Apple values where accessibility, good UI, intentional design as part of that same component of being a good developer uh, understanding how the handoff between design and coding and vice versa operates are things that we want to do proactively in the development process instead of often reactively uh, and add, add on features that uh, we know could have had, you know, been avoided or thought about earlier in the process had the developer been able to to think about it this way. So those are some of the basics that we cover, you know, a lot of the business value propositions for an app or a tech solution. Uh, user experience design, so understanding the user flow, but also interviewing uh, users to understand what their needs actually are and finding the right audience for your app. And user interface in terms of design, color palettes, all of the the psychology that goes behind uh, creating a very beautiful but functional interface. Hey folks, I wanted to let you know about Swift Remote Studio. I don't know about yourself, but I've been feeling pretty isolated the last two years working from home and not being able to find a common co-working space that I can join others. Well, if you're looking for something like that, then Swift Remote Studio might be the right fit for you. This virtual co-working space is focused on developers and designers in this space of iOS, Mac, and other Apple Swift development environments. You can get connected and get focused by meeting others in this community. We can help one another out, get motivated, and create new friendships, all working together swiftly. There's virtual co-working, silent co-working, community spaces, a job board, some member discounts as well, and community events that you'll want to take advantage of. With prices right now starting at $4, it's definitely something you want to sign up for as soon as you can before the pricing goes up as more people are joining every day. Also, you can get 15% off by using the code EMPOWER15. So if that sounds like too much, that will certainly help as well. 
So use the code EMPOWER15 to get 15% off any of the plans. And there's a variety of plans available to you. Swift Remote Studio is definitely a great opportunity, and I highly recommend that you check it out. Evan Stone, host of iOS Dev Break, has really put a lot of work into this, and I think this is going to be a great way to collaborate with other folks who develop in this environment. So please, go ahead, use the code EMPOWER15 to get 15% off any of the variety of membership plans that are available through Swift Remote Studio, and join. Once you've joined, tag me, message me, and let me know. I'd love to see you there and collaborate with folks like me and Evan. Thank you so much to Swift Remote Studio for sponsoring today's episode. Let's, I want to deep dive a little bit more into the design aspect. What are some of the biggest challenges that students face when they're learning those design skills? You know, uh, research is really one aspect that I think all of us struggle with, but students in general, and that I've seen that for years, right, is we often think that because we haven't seen something done, it doesn't exist. Uh, so really, the, you know, the basic do your research, right? First, go through the app store, comb it left and right. Look at it internationally. What are other resources that already exist? I don't want to see another app that's a, a directory of resources or something that you think is solving a problem uh, that you haven't seen happen, right? Uh, so doing the research is actually where we spend a lot of time. And talking to users is, is another challenge that we face often is uh, students. I think people in general, when they do uh, research, are hesitant just to talk to people and, and you know prefer to create personas that are fictitious rather than go talking to actual people and, and, and getting their life history and understanding what their challenge is and how the, the app would help uh, solve that challenge. So that's something we try to really push students to do. It's not easy, but it's so beneficial once they get the hang of it and understand how to really anchor their solution or their you know the challenge they're addressing with real life applications and strong qualitative and quantitative research attached to it. Uh, so that's really where we push students uh, and hone in on. So what are some examples of the research you help students do? You you met, you talked about comp- like a competitive analysis, just going out and talking to people, I guess. How do you get them started? And what are the different kinds of research that, that you've found helpful for them, I guess? Yeah, so I'll preface this by saying that what we follow in terms of the the structure for the academy is what Apple calls challenge-based learning. It's very similar to design thinking practices, uh, which start with empathy for the user, right? Understanding people first and then thinking about the solution that might be useful for them. And often, you know, it happens that it's, it's actually not an app that's the solution. Maybe it's another service or an organization and, and or a series of different solutions together, right? So we try to move away from what is called solutionism, which is uh, once we have an idea, uh, we know that's the solution and we can't really get, we get attached to it. It's a natural thing to do, but we get- I like that term, solutionism. I've never heard of, but yeah, that's, that's a total like- anti-pattern that a lot of us fall into. It is. And then, you know, once you have that solution in mind, we we have this design fixation on like, this is the answer. Uh, so trying to stay away from that from the beginning is where we really uh, push students. So we follow that challenge-based learning uh, process. So like I said, very similar to design thinking where we diverge and converge lots of times. So before going to a solution, we're going to diverge really far and do as much research as we can. We're going to look at what books exist on the topic, articles, blog posts, what's been in the news recently about it. Talk to people, talk to family members, 
diverge as much as possible, get as much information as possible before, before we can actually converge to think about potential solutions for that challenge specifically. So uh, that's where the UX process comes in. That's where the research gets in. And so the rabbit holes, I encourage students to really think wide and, 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 and think about analog examples, right? Things that are outside of the industry that they're thinking about or, you know, processes they've seen in their own lives that they think would be helpful in, in coming up with a solution. Yeah, I think a, that's a really great point. Like, I think for a lot of us developers, it's like we, we're so good at coding. We just like want to make everything a coding problem. And I'll say uh, the students in the academy who are here for coding, right, and want to code are like, oh, why are you making me do this? Like, I, don't, I just want to get to my, I just want to start coding. And we try to really slow down that process because, again, you can have a beautiful... Not, but there might not be an audience for it. That's the Exactly. Then what's the point? Then, you know, I, I compare it to, I compare it sometimes to writing, like, the final essay for a class in college or in high school, right? It's like, okay, you've done the assignment, but it's not going to go anywhere with it, right? It's just doing <laughs> yeah. it to do it. Right. You're not going right. to get anything and, out of it. So. I mean, and... and... I will go into a coding project knowing full well there might be, might be an audience with it. And at least if you're honest with yourself, that's fine. But like, it's not a business. Like, exactly. It's either, exactly. It's either practice or it's it's a hobby. Yeah. So you got to be careful. Yeah. And and so we integrate those different levels of challenges in the academy. Uh, so we do nano challenges that are maybe a day, right? And they're just coding on a specific challenge. Uh, and then the the last it. it Amps up to the way to the to the point where the last challenge is about ten weeks, and from zero to App Store is what we ask them to do in Teams. So being uh, published on the App Store is the result of that last challenge. So they really have to understand all the process and work in a really good team to to get that done. But yes, like you said, we integrate those examples and those exercises. You can do, do them in isolation, but when you think of the actual development process, unless you're doing it just for fun. If you want it to be really solid, then you have to do the research. And that's really essential to that process. One of the design skills you mentioned was accessibility. What, like, what specifically are you, I guess, what are some specifics as far as design skills that Apple tries to emphasize? And then we can go like, yeah, deep dive into accessibility being a big part of that. And what are some skills in accessibility that could, that you really try to emphasize in the academy? Yeah, so that's really a value that we try to embed. Like I said, you know, proactively instead of retroactively, it's often thought about as an afterthought instead of being completely part of the design process. Uh, we follow the Apple's human interface guidelines uh, for which accessibility is really central. So we follow a lot of universal designs for production of, of those user experience and user interface. So I compare it to, you know, building a house. It's very similar in construction. Do you want to build a ramp after you build a whole house, knowing that somebody who has mobility issues, is in a wheelchair, is pregnant, right? Different people might need that feature after the fact. If you think about them before you build a house, then you're in good shape. If you think about it after, it's going to cost you money. It's going to cost you a lot of time. And it's not going to be making for a functional app for everyone. So we try to think of those accessibility functions. So whether it's, you know, hearing impairment, visual impairments, you know, using Apple ecosystem that's already embedded, right, native to uh, to the iPhone or other functions. Uh, we, we get students trained in understanding what those functions are, first of all, so that they can think of them as they uh, design their user flow. 
but really trying to embed them embed them at each stage of their designs so that there's not you know a money and cost issue at the end when somebody says well i can't actually use uh, voiceover on this app right or this is not accessible for somebody who has mobility issues or you know needs a an accommodation of certain sorts so uh, we're really trying to place that at the forefront of the process that makes a lot of sense yeah, just kind of having that scaffolding set up before you go and deep dive and realize you have to pull out a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. in order to add yeah. accessibility later. That's 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 a really great point. I think I want to step back and ask about the projects. Do the students come up with their own ideas, or are there I, I, and then research if there's an audience for it, et cetera? Or are there kind of like here's a bucket of ideas, pick one, or like how does that work exactly? So we do a mix. So in that sense, the academy is really a a hybrid between school and work, right? So there are times where we tell them, look, you won't ever, you won't always get to pick what you want to work on and the team you want to work (laughs) with. So some challenges uh, that last maybe two, three weeks or more, we tell them, you know, this is the big idea for this challenge. So we actually did one around accessibility. The challenge was, can you make somebody's life better? And so they had, uh, I think, four or five weeks to design an app that would do that exactly. So we give them sometimes the the challenge itself. And other times we tell them, do what you please, right? So it can be anything that your team is interested in, similar hobbies. Uh, we we try to do a mix of, of both. There are times we tell them, like, your team needs to have a coder, a designer, a business person, right? A researcher, and we're going to tell you what that team is. And other times it's a little bit like middle school dodgeball teams where it's like, well, go ahead and pick. <laughs> and we see the, we see that happen. Uh, so we try them to, we try to give them a few, a few options uh, throughout the year so that they get to experience all of that. Is there anything that they are taught about after the app is in the app store and what they need to do to follow up on it and kind of run the, run the business, so to speak, if you know what I mean? Yes. Yes. So, um, so I'll go, I'll, I'll answer that by first saying that we, the way we have instructors be in the academy, they each specialize in, in their own um, kind of pillar of business, coding, or design. So we have design mentors, coding mentors, business mentors. One of the roles of the business mentors is to help them think uh, about the app and the long term and the sustainability of their work. So again, thinking of accessibility and all those things as part of that business plan, uh, if, if you will, because it's one of the underpinnings of what am I going to have to fix once everything is out there and, and this has been running for a year. So we have them do you know a five-year business plan. We have them think about how many staff would that take to maintain your app on the app store and, and, and doing you know uh, everything that needs to be done after it's out there. So while we do focus a lot on the, the production and the development of the app itself, business is a really big component of anticipating what will need to happen after. So, you know, what are your competitors doing right now that you'll need to anticipate uh, once you're out on the app store and, and things like that? And the monetary, the budgetary planning for what we know needs to happen after. Um, so I want to jump back into coding and talk about mm-hmm. what are some of the biggest challenges that students face when they get started coding their app? I would say that one of the big, biggest challenges we face is actually that we have students that come into the academy with very different levels of expertise, right? Some students are coming in and they have a CS background and they're very comfortable 
others had never opened a Mac, a MacBook before they got into the academy. So we're we're working with very different levels of, of comfort, right? So we've worked in different levels where some students would just introduce them to playgrounds, right? We work on the iPad, we do some uh, some some blog coding. We really try to introduce them little by little. Others they start straight away in Xcode. We get them through different challenges and they really get the hang of it. Uh, we get some really good surprises. Some students who had never coded are like, "Oh, I'm actually I'm really good at this. I understand what's going on," and they become the, co- the you know the official coder and their team. And so we try to skill up opportunities for for every student that's a little bit more personalized than everybody going through the same process. So we'll do times where it's like, okay, you want to do basic coding, go to this side of the the academy. More advanced principles, go this. Today we're going to talk about functions in this area. So we try to customize it enough for students to find their comfort. I will say that because, again, we're looking at development from this larger perspective, not all students will come out of the academy being good coders. But we want them to be dangerous enough to understand the language and understand how to speak and talk and communicate with a programmer who will then execute, you know, the design that, for instance, they've, um, they want to, to have. Understanding how data architecture works, right? Uh, I think that's that handoff aspect that often designers are like, well, I want this to be like this. And because uh, <laughs> I can know it's not going to work. So that's really that, that language and that comfort level with you know, computational thinking principles. So do I understand what algorithms do? Do I understand what's the the logic behind the things that I'm asking a coder to to perform? So that's how we handle the, the coding aspect in the academy. And we do the same for design. Hey folks, it's that time of the year again. Conferences are starting up. We already just had the announcement for WWDC. But there's one developer conference I have talked about. This is probably the third year. And that's 360 iDev. It's a fantastic conference that you should definitely check out. It's had guests that we've had on the show, like Joe Chaplinski, Ben Chatelaine. We've even had the organizer, John Wilker, on the show just talking about conferences and and how they've gone uh, last year. It's a really good conference. I'm planning on going in person, regardless of whether I speak or not. And you should you should definitely do it too. They do have a remote option as well. And if you use the code Empower Apps, then you will get 20% off. So I highly recommend taking this opportunity right now. Go to 360iDev, get a ticket for the show as soon as you can, and get 20% off. It's in Denver or remote. It's up to you, whatever you want to do. There's going to be a great set of guests. I can guarantee that. We've had some of those guests on. Folks like Ariel Michelli from App Figures. And folks like Joe Chaplinski, Ben Chatelaine, and more. So take some time, go to 360iDev, and I am really looking forward. Let me know if you are going, because I am really looking forward to seeing you there. Thanks. Design, because that's like, that's another thing where, I don't know if you get folks who already have design experience that come in. Yes. But but if it's the same thing where it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't have any design experience. I don't even know how to what that means. And then somebody who's yes. like, oh, I know perfectly how to like take advantage of accessibility and understand colors. Yes. And so we see that kind of level everything up at the end of the day because those who come in and are very comfortable with coding then are finding themselves in a situation where like, oh, what do you mean orange and blue don't go together? <laughs> and there's a color there's there's color psychology behind all of this. Uh it kind of levels up the the 
you know, the approach to development. So everybody finds something that they're good at. But yes, I have students who come in and will draw amazing, amazing graphics, right? And are do- designing a game and they can come up with the whole design, uh, you know, in 24 hours. And now you're just really talented at, at doing those things or really understand research and user flow from their own expertise. So that's why we form teams and that's why they are really great at combining their skills. One of the things that we noticed is a skill that a lot of people are actually interested in the industry right now is project management as well. So we asked students who are interested in project management to be familiar with all those different aspects of the development process, uh, but also are people who understand what steps need to happen when, what time frame is manageable and expectable, you know, expected. And this is a set of skills that also you know, allows students to be successful in the academy. Yeah, that makes a lot. I was going to say project management. It's yeah, people need to plan things out and they need to know what is going on. Yes, we don't don't realize that a lot of the times. Um, It's very very important. What do you think are some of like the important skills that students could learn, like to participate? Like, what what are some? Mm -hmm. Maybe not not just important, but like underappreciated skills that students could learn to participate in the like economy of iOS apps. Yeah. So I was, I don't know, you know, learning is, is, is I think being comfortable with, I'll replace it with that uh, is collaboration and teamwork. I'll it's, you know, we call it a soft skill. It's, it's not at all right. It's one of those most essential professional skills. I'll tell all the mentors in the Academy and the students coding is not the hard part. It's people. And working in teams is so difficult. We see it here. We see it in the workplace, right? Even if you want to be by yourself and do your lines of codes, or if you want to be designing in your corner, that doesn't happen very often. You have to communicate with others and you have to work in teams, right? Development doesn't happen in a nutshell, in, you know, in isolation. And so exposing yourself as much as possible to other people, other ideas, contradicting ideas, conflict, right? Conflict management, those things are essential. And and that is what we're really looking for in candidates who join the academy is people who are willing to enter that space with that mindset. Uh, If you come in and you have your idea and you're not going to budge from it, that's going to be really difficult uh, to be successful in the academy. That makes total sense. We're in the workplace, right? anywhere right yeah 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 i think like that's that's a really good point because i think like one of the things is you learn with experience is knowing how to have knowing how to divide up the work uh Mm -hmm. in such a way that there's not too much dependency i guess in your team i find that really helpful like okay like Teamwork's important, but part of it is like having people have their individual thing to work on and then right. being able to collaborate further after that and communication, like communications. And accountability, right? How do you keep somebody uh, on your team accountable for doing their part that you're waiting on to do your part? Right? Like that's such a, a huge skill that we often undermine or don't even think about, right? We focus so much on the hard skills and and that's something that will make you successful, whether it's at the academy or later on in life. I was just thinking about the other thing you were saying, because I I had taught a couple of like uh, just training stuff here in Lansing, (laughs) whether it was at Cocoa Heads or or at the, uh, or at the Fledge or something like that. And I've had, I've done the whole like teaching thing. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that you mentioned that you never think about is like, You'll get somebody who may be 
be using Windows or Android. Mm-hmm. And you're yeah. trying to teach them to do iOS development. And <laughs> yes. like they don't even speak the same language. And like they don't know like the keyboard shortcuts, things that you just kind of learn and pick up as a Mac user. And like mm-hmm. we forget about that. Like a lot of people want to get into iOS development because that's the, you know, maybe not necessarily because they have a passion for it, but maybe because they know that's where the money is and that's fine. And like they like for them, it's like they gotta learn how to use a Mac and how do you how to use Xcode and how do you how do you copy files over? How do you drag like because there's right. a whole other language there that Windows or Android folks might not be familiar with. Yes, it's definitely a, the adaptability, and that's again one of those skills that are hard to measure. Right, is is how flexible and adaptable are you as a person to be able to transfer those skills to any other environment and really learn fast. Um, how to how to do that that is uh not easy (laughs) (laughs) no it's not and we forget about it all the time Mm -hmm. uh, because because we're like the fish swimming in the water we know the water's everywhere but exactly yeah when somebody jumps in it's something completely new what are some other like unique challenges that students run into uh, when they're in the academy you know, obviously, there's the, the day-to-day, like, working with teammates, understanding each other, the skills themselves, right? There's a lot, as you can imagine. Sometimes when we get to the coding part, we get a lot of frustration. It takes, you know, that resilience of, you know, trying. <laughs> we tell them, right? And, that, and that, again, that's why we look for students who have that resilience and, and will try over and over again. So we see a lot of that frustration, I think one of the biggest challenges that we are observing now uh, as we get closer to graduating this first cohort is fighting a lot of misconceptions about what jobs are out there around uh, development and what to look for in jobs. So not all of them will be interested in getting a job, right? But but for those who are, they often find themselves like, okay, what kind of jobs do I look for now? Is it all software developers or how do I find those niche areas that are looking for developers or where I can be a developer in the sense that the academy thinks of, right? Somebody who's multifunctional and, and can do project management around app development. Do I look for small businesses who want help develop, you know, digitalizing their work or do I work for a big 500 company? So I think that's something that we are trying to work on is not only fighting the misconceptions around development and coding in particular, uh, but also helping um students who might not have this computing background understanding where their skills can take them. So that's something we're seeing right now is a, a big challenge. Um, so the they like have a hard time knowing what jobs to apply for. Is that what you mean? Yes. Uh, understanding that again, you could look for a project management job with the skills that they gain in the Academy or as a UX or UI designer that might not be in development per se. Right. But your UX uh, skills might apply to, you know, we have a student who just got a UX job at GM, not necessarily working on the tech solutions, but user experience in general uh, applies to different fields. So I think just expanding people's horizon around what coding means and how it's embedded within a larger ecosystem than, again, I'm going to use the word simply, but it's not what I, you know, the simply programming or software development per se, right? There's such a huge uh, ecosystem out there where uh, those skills are valued. Yeah, I think that's that's true. Was there anything else you want to talk about when it comes to like the difficult things that students find when they get started? I think again that the resilience, uh, figuring themselves out, understanding what they like or don't like, that's been a, 
has been a, a little bit of a challenge. But in general, you know, we because we have a model uh, in the academy of mentorship rather than, uh, you know, lecturers or guiding students through uh, one to many kind of instruction, we've been able to really handle and personalize the learning so that uh, whatever challenges students have, we can uh, we can handle. One of the big challenges for us is, you know, uh, ad- adult education is not easy. Uh, people have competing priorities and circumstances that make that they can't always dedicate the 20 hours a week to the academy, but uh, that's more on our end than theirs. So most of the students who apply or and, and will apply understand the, that the commitment is worth their time at the end of the day. Yeah, what you what you get out of it is how much you put into it. So it makes exactly we we can't want it more than they do, but we try to set them up for for that best success after the academy. So is this is this the first year of the academy? Uh, first graduating yes. year, I guess. What yes, first what graduating you, year. What have you found? Like, I guess what I'm looking for is what kind of I, I don't want to say success stories because we're not at that point yet, but like. What has really opened the students' eyes to the possibilities now that they've they're basically near the end of this first year? Yes. So one of the benefits of the academy is that it's it's a, it's a partnership with Apple. So we get a lot of Apple guest speakers, right? They get the opportunity to network with people at Apple. It's it's not a feeder into Apple, but you get the chance or the opportunity to network and. Uh, listen to people's experience who you know have been part of that ecosystem for years and and really can tell you about uh, that work so that's that's I think a hidden success that we didn't really anticipate from the beginning but when we bring in guest speakers from other industries that are downtown or companies that are interested in what students are doing that's been a very valuable experience for students that I think we didn't anticipate uh, and that's something that I'm I'm planning on really emphasizing next year is that you, you learn the skills and all this, but being part of the academy is also being part of a network of people and experts. That's a huge hidden benefit that we don't always think of it explicitly. And sometimes that ends up in really good uh, networking opportunity. I have, I think, three students from this year who, because of different guest speakers, will be able to be part of some of the uh, city of Detroit uh, fellowships for the summer or, you know, or getting their their foot in the doors that they might not have thought about or considered just because the um, opportunity wasn't available or wasn't made of, you know, they were not made aware of. So really interesting pathways that we're seeing. And I think that's part of the, one of the biggest success for this year. That's awesome. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Just to have that opportunity. Yeah. How can people apply and when when does admission for the next year start and how does that yes so it is perfect timing for this now we are actively recruiting for new students for the next cohort and the application process is fairly simple and it's on our website um we are doing rolling admissions for this year. So we're going to continue interviewing, accepting and interviewing students or candidates for this next cohort throughout the summer um, until we have, uh, we are accepting 200 students for this year. So uh, we are in, in search of the best talent out there, especially in the Detroit area that want to join the Academy. So website is developeracademy at msu.msu.edu. And the application is right there. And I will, please, perfect, thank you. And I am also hiring 
for coding mentors. So those are the instructors, the mentors who will guide students uh, spe- specifically in their the coding uh, aspect of the work. And that's available on the MSU Career website. Uh, same, looking for people who are passionate about teaching, uh, have coding experience, especially in, in the iOS ecosystem and are, uh, you know, wanting to be part of a cool experience. So basically, um, what are the, like, besides, so you have to be located uh, in, in Metro Detroit um, mm-hmm. and 18 or older. So sorry, yes. high schoolers. And then <laughs> what's the, what's for, for both the position and getting into the academy? And then mm-hmm. what's the cost as far as for somebody who wants to participate in the academy? Yes, the academy is free. So there are no costs, no tuition. <laughs> the academy is free. <laughs> We free yes yes free opportunity for a whole school year. Uh, we also provide students with the technology that they need to be successful uh, during their year. So uh, each student gets a MacBook and an iPhone. Yes, they each get a MacBook and an iPhone and have a, a slew of other um, you know tech options in the space to to utilize. Uh, so yes, and we provide parking downtown Detroit. So that's another plus. So yes, please apply. 20 hours a week to participate in the academy. Exactly. So we do um, morning and afternoon cohorts. So based on your av- availability and preference, you come either every morning, Monday through Friday or every afternoon, which gives you some flexibility to do something else with the, the other half of the day. That's awesome. Uh, what's a, what's the requirements as far as the coding mentor? How many hours a week is that one? Coding mentor is a full-time position with Michigan State University. So uh, those are employees uh, with full benefits and, uh, and the whole package. And then mm-hmm. they, what kind of skill set does a coding mentor need to have? Like, do they have to have experience with Swift, I guess, in building iOS? Preferably, uh, preferably with iOS. I have mentors who did not have any Swift experience before, but had that computational thinking capability, so understood uh, you know, the, the back end and coding, uh, and then are willing to scale up in Swift specifically over the summer. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Sounds like some really great opportunities for folks who should definitely yeah. live in Michigan, definitely hop on. Consider it. Yeah. Really consider this. This is a great opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish, I wish I had this when I was, <laughs> when I was younger, uh, as you yes. can imagine. Um, uh, anything else you wanted to share before we close out, Sarah? I would say if you are in Lansing, East Lansing area, especially if you are an MSU student, we have a a version of the academy uh, that's called the iOS Design Lab. It's hosted on campus. Look it up. Lots of interesting and similar processes for it. Uh, You can even get, I think, credits for uh, attending. So uh, if you are an MSU student, please do consider that opportunity. For folks who are not in Michigan, because I have quite a few listeners outside of Michigan, yeah. what other opportunities are out there for them uh, if they want to participate in something like this? So the foundation program would be uh, great. We're working on how we can make this like housing and, and just being in the location more accessible for people who want to join for us for four weeks. But I would uh, really consider uh, foundation as, as a, a good opportunity and if not Swift, and you know Apple has lots of free resources out out there uh, around Swift that are a good introduction to uh, to that at least to see if there's an interest uh, there. How about as far as the business and design side of things? Because it sounds like there's some really good good stuff there as well. Yes, there are. There are. You know, uh, it's, it's been a, a lot of 
you know, finding your own resources for those areas. But uh, there's definitely a lot that you can find um, online. And, and that's a plan I have in the future is making some resources available on our website for people who want to see what that actually looks like or what that means. Um, yeah. Speaking of which, we have WWDC in a, in a few weeks. So there will be some more learning resources for folks, especially yes. in the design and business, not mm-hmm. only coding. So we're excited about that. Sarah, thank you so much I, yes. for coming on. It was really great to have you on. Uh, where can people thank find you, you online? Uh, LinkedIn is probably the easiest way. My LinkedIn profile is pretty uh, open. So connect with me. Happy to chat. Uh, and Leon, we'll have to make sure that you come to the Academy at some point. Yeah, I'd love to come and give a talk yeah. or whatever I can yes. to help. That's it's a, it's a that great would be opportunity. Great. Yeah, thank you so much, Sarah. We'll have links to the Apple Developer Academy, uh, the uh, MSU iOS Design Lab, yes. uh, as well as the position to the coding mentor that maybe people can take advantage of. Yeah, it's been great to have you on. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for your time. People can Thanks. find me on Twitter at Leo G. Dion. My company is Bright Digit. Take some time to post a review on wherever you're listening to your podcast. Like and subscribe if you're watching this on YouTube. And I look forward to talking to you again. Bye, everyone. Bye.